You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, The Incurable and Untouchable. The Incurable and Untouchable. I've shared with you a number of times now um, that I have generalized anxiety and a panic disorder. It's a mental illness. Um, and in the church world, sadly, mental illness kind of has a stigma attached to it. That if you struggle with these things, then somehow um, you're less of a Christian or uh, how could you really uh, claim to trust the Lord and have the joy of the Lord as your strength and yet struggle with anxious thoughts and maybe some of you even depression. And I can share with you kind of my rebuttal to that a different time. And I've, I've spoken about it from the pulpit many times. But today we're going to talk about an illness that had something worse than just a stigma attached to it. And it's the illness of leprosy. Now, in Leviticus chapters 13 through 14, leprosy is defined for us. Leprosy is a generic term. I know many times we conjure up very specific images about leprosy, but if you go back and look in Leviticus 13 through 14, it's a much more comprehensive term that involves every kind of suspicious or infectious skin diseases. So I want you to think of it much more broadly. But even so, even if it isn't the kind of images that we conjure up where there's this disfigurement of the face or the hands or either other limbs, I want you to hear the stigma that's attached to it in Leviticus chapter 35, verses 45 through 30, 46. Just write that down. Leviticus 13, 45 through 46. This is the word of the Lord concerning a person who has leprosy. It says, The person who has a case of serious skin disease is to have his clothes torn and his hair hanging loose. Now, just so that we go along, he's to look like he is in mourning over someone's passing, over someone's death. Listen to this. And he must cover his mouth and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He will remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. Now, I want you to catch the imagery that's going on with this person with this skin disease. He is in mourning over, in effect, his own disease. He looks like death. He is the living dead, so to speak. And he is trying to ward everybody off and warn them saying, I am an unclean person. Now you need to understand, he's not just simply talking about I have a skin disease that is contagious. In Levitical law, there are basically three states of being. And, and 
please follow along with me. Kind of the normal common person state was a state of cleanliness. That meant you could sin, but with the appropriate sacrificial ritual, your sin could be covered and you can still enjoy fellowship in the tabernacle or the temple of God where God's presence rested. Then there was a state of being called holy. And this was generally reserved for the priests that worked in the tabernacle and temple. These were men who were sanctified, set apart, reserved for the purposes of God. They had to live an amazing lifestyle, kind of this maintenance of their own purity in order to work in the place where God's presence manifested. But there's what, there was a third estate that you could be in, and it was a state of uncleanliness. Now, this uncleanliness is not just about sin. You could sin and become unclean. But here was another part of this. Due to sin and the fall of man, there were certain diseases, there were certain natural causes that God considered to be a defect. See, God's not just morally perfect. He is completely perfect. And there are certain things that he prescribed in Levitical law saying, if you have this certain type of disease, or even this, if you touch a dead body, you become unclean. There's been a defect because the uncleanliness shows kind of what's wrong with the world. Sin, sickness, and death. And here's what would happen. Certain types of uncleanliness just maybe involved a seven-day ritual. You would wash on certain days, kind of stay quarantined from the camp or the temple of God. And as soon as those seven days were up, you resumed a state of cleanliness and you can enjoy the temple. But I want you to notice what happened to this poor man, a leprous man. If he had this disease... He couldn't go to the ritual. He couldn't even get to the place where he could pay for the pardon until his disease was healed. Did you notice that? Until the disease is no more. So he was stuck in a state of uncleanliness, separated from his family, because they're inside the camp. Separated from his friends, inside the camp. Separated from his job, inside the camp. And if he's separated from the camp, who else is he separated from? God himself. Do you see the poor estate of the leprous man, according to the Bible? Listen to what it says in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 3. Leviticus 5, verse 3. What happens to a clean person who touches an unclean man, a leprous man? Look at this. He says, if he touches human uncleanliness... Any uncleanness by which one can become defiled without being aware of it, but later recognizes it, he incurs guilt. Catch this. If a clean person runs up on a leprous man and touches that leprous man and becomes aware he ha he's an unclean person, all of a sudden he's made a sinner for touching him. Because God told him not to touch him. So these were the untouchables. You didn't hang out with leprous people. Now who could cure a leprous person? There's only one instance in all of the Old Testament, excuse me, there's two, but I'm going to give you one instance, where it seemed that a leprous person was healed. It was Miriam. 
In Numbers 12, 10 through 15. Just write that down. Look at it later. Numbers 12, 10 through 15. But probably the most famous other instance of a leper being cured was a leper by the name of Naaman. Anybody remember that story? It's okay if you don't. I'm going to explain it. Naaman wasn't even an Israelite. He wasn't even a Jew. And his king, he was a commander in, a, in an army, and the king of Aram actually sent a message to the king of Israel asking if the king of Israel had a cure for his commander's leprosy. And I want you to hear what the king of Israel, how he responded to this man. Now remember, the king of Israel, he has all authority and power in God's land and with God's people. And listen to what the king of Israel said. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, Am I God? Am I God? Killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? He went to the highest authority in the land. And what did that man look, say? I can't do anything about this. In fact, the king interpreted the message to be this. He says, recognize that he's only picking a fight with me. He sent me this message just to get me to send my armies out to him. He's wanting me to fight. He didn't even take the request seriously. And so the Old Testament kind of leaves us hanging about what to do with this untouchable person who is incurable. There seems to be no power on the earth that could deal with the leprous man. Here's the big question I want you to write down that we're going to unpack in our brief time together is this. Who can cleanse a leper? Who can cleanse a leper? Here we're in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus has just given the Sermon on the Mount the final authoritative interpretation of the Old Testament. He says, you, know, you want to know what God says about the Old Testament? I'm here to fulfill it. I am the embodiment of the Bible. I am the final authority on what God says and what God means. When Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, the crowds were amazed with Jesus' authority. He would say, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. And he would speak, notice this, not on God's behalf. He spoke as if he were God. In Matthew chapter 8, let's look at verse 1 together. This is literally the last words of the Sermon on the Mount have just finished. And let's notice what happens. When he, referring to Jesus, came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Probably hundreds, maybe even thousands were just amazed with Jesus. And then he said, right away, somebody showed up. A man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, can you just pause a minute and understand what I just shared, all this background information? This guy must be mentally messed up. There's no man on the earth that can cure 
leprosy. If leprosy had been cured in the Old Testament, if you go look at the passage, it took a divine intervention. And yet this man walks up to Jesus and says, I firmly believe you can cleanse me. Here's just point number one as we move through this story. The leper believed Jesus could cleanse. The leper believed Jesus could cleanse. Now it's tempting to focus on the approach of the leper. We kind of get tied up in his actions, how he came and how we knelt and how he called him Lord. And I want you to understand, I don't know if, if this was an act of worship or if the leper was calling Jesus God. All I think we could at least say at the bottom line, he knew he was in the presence of someone powerful, someone who had authority, and he recognized Jesus' authority. And he felt or believed so strongly that Jesus' authority might actually extend all the way to my leprosy. And this is the part of the faith that I want to encourage you to have, is that this faith so welled up in the leper, I want you to think about this, he moved through crowds. He sat there, he says, now I know I'm supposed to be out of the camp, but I know I've heard of a man that can heal leprosy. i got to at least go give it a try. And so he moves to Jesus. But faith is ultimately what moved him. He sincerely believed that Jesus had the authority and the power to cleanse. And I want you to notice the actual wording of the text. He says, you can make me what? Clean. This is important. He didn't just say, you can heal me. Or you can make me whole. The leper was asking more than just to help him with his disease. Catch this. He was saying, Jesus, I believe not only can you heal me of my physical disease, guess what Jesus could do? You could make me right. You could put me back in a state of cleanliness. You could put me back inside the camp. You could restore to me a relationship with God that I've never had. He asked for cleansing, not just a healing. The healing's kind of underneath this. The leper believed that Jesus had the power to cleanse, to restore his family, to restore his life, to restore his place back in the temple. And all it was a matter of for the leper was just Jesus' choosing. Would Jesus choose to heal him and cleanse him? Now, I just want to quickly take a pastoral aside real quick because some of us, I, I, I want to emphasize the cleansing part today, but I believe there's one question I would like to answer. Is why are believers not healed? Healed, not cleansed. I said healed. Why do we pray? We've literally, even in our time, just this morning, we have made a petition to King Jesus that he would touch and heal somebody. Why is it okay that he may actually look at us and say no and choose to say no? I want you to hear this other passage. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. The apostle Paul was talking about the thorn in his flesh. And this is what he said. He says, concerning this thorn in my flesh, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. He begged, God, take this away from me. Heal me. 
And this is what God said. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. I want you to know real quick this morning that if, if, if God looks at your healing and you've requested healing, and I believe you should come to him and you should ask for healing. And if he doesn't grant it, then there's probably two reasons, I think, according to the 2 Corinthians passage. Number one is this. Sometimes not granting our healing creates a greater dependency on him. I found this true in my own life, and for those who've not received a true, an answered prayer, is this, is that it makes us more dependent upon God each moment of our life. God, I need you to get me through this. And that state of dependency is actually a good place to be spiritually. And so sometimes God will have us not necessarily at our best physically so that we're at our best spiritually. The other thing that we see in this is sometimes he won't grant that request so that he may receive more glory through your condition. I'll tell you, one of the most amazing things are to see saints who suffer and still stay positive and give glory to God. And that is a witness to a lost and dying world who says, how can you put up with this? And it's saying this, hey, sometimes God doesn't fix the circumstances or the condition, but he's fortified me on the inside. And I can put up with it. And so sometimes he gets greater glory, not by healing the circumstances or the condition, but by instilling endurance and perseverance. But the question that's before us is, how can he cleanse a leper? Cleanse him. The leper believed Jesus could cleanse him, not just heal him. Let's look at the next two verses. It says this, verse 3 of Matthew chapter 8. Reaching out his hand. Now, remember, remember the setting. You got crowds of people watching. Hundreds, if not thousands. These were all Jews, Israelites, who had understood the Old Testament law you don't touch this man. And look at the double expression. He says, reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him. He reached out and he touched him. It's like Jesus is wanting to get everybody's attention. Hey, everybody, look what I'm about to do. I think he probably made a big ordeal out of this. saying, as he reached out and as he touched him, he said, I am willing to be made clean. Then Jesus told him, <laughs> it says, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Not just healed, he was clean again. And then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now let's break this down. Point number two. Jesus touched and cleansed the leper. Touched and cleansed the leper. Now I want you to catch this for just a moment. 
Jesus easily could have healed and cleansed the leper without ever touching him. We're going to see that through the remainder of the book of Matthew. Jesus is going to be, be able to heal from a distance. Like, you want it? Okay, it's done. Are you not going to go to the house? No, it's done. He made a particular concerted effort to make sure that everybody saw him touch this leper. Now, why would he do that? Why would he touch a leper? And many of us, we love to run to this, but I don't think Matthew's teaching us this in this moment. Oh, he's so compassionate. He wants to identify with the leper. I think there's more going on than just his compassion. Many times when Matthew wants to show the compassion of Jesus, it'll say he was moved with compassion. Matthew doesn't do this here. He reached out and touched him. According to Old Testament law, in effect, Jesus is knowingly sinning, right? Oh, You've just made the embodiment of the Bible a sinner. But the, but the book of Leviticus teaches something else. And remember, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Write this down. This is going to get good. This is worth your price of admission this morning, everybody. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 27. Leviticus 6, 27. There were certain offerings that when an offering, the flesh of an animal, when it touched something, it would change something. Listen to the sin offering that was prescribed for sin in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 27. It says, anything that touches its flesh will become holy. Anything that touches its flesh will become holy. And if any of its blood spatters on a garment, then you must wash that garment in a holy place. Now here's what was interesting. When that sin offering was slaughtered on the Old Testament altar, that happened, that full dedication went to God. And anything that that animal, if it happened to like a pot bumped into it, that pot became holy. This is now special. You either had to go destroy it in a holy place or rinse it out because now that's the Lord's pot. And here's what I think is happening. Here's a higher truth that's happening. This is what the Old Testament is pointing to. When Jesus is walking around, he is our sin offering. He is the person who takes away the sin of the world. He is holy, completely perfect. And when he reaches out and touches uncleanliness, they become clean and holy before God. Just with his touch. And that's what's happening can you imagine the moment? For the first time in history, they had only seen, this is what happened, only uncleanliness was contagious. You can only catch uncleanliness. Now we have a man walking around where you could catch holiness. You could be around Jesus and be made whole? That's absurd. That's the God-man. I like what D.A. Carson said, at Jesus' touch, nothing remains defiled. It's gone. Now, notice that last verse. It's kind of ironic. Verse 4. Jesus says, now don't tell anybody I did this. Now, you just made a spectacle. Why don't you want to tell anybody? Jesus is not trying to disrupt the law. He says, according to the law, if you get healed, you're to go to the temple, 
if this disease were to leave you, you're to go to the temple and you go and show yourself to a priest. And a priest literally looks over the body. He looks you over from head to toe and he goes, hey man, I think, I think this guy's been healed. I think he's clean. Now a couple of things about this. What Jesus was doing by the life of the leper, he was demonstrating to the religious leaders uh, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God-man is here. Could you imagine? It should have happened that when the priests saw this, they go, hey, 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 nobody heals leprosy. Nobody heals leprosy. If somebody's out there healing leprosy, we need to go see him. And I hope this would be true. I would hope that when people examine our lives as Christians and they see the difference that Jesus has made, they should look at our lives and go, you know what? If he could change so-and-so, I need to go see him. If he can fix that, if he can mend the broken marriage, if he can restore the family, if he can make the lazy a worker and the thief still no more and generous, maybe, just maybe, we should go find out who this guy is healing lepers. The Messiah is here. The God-man is here. But then there's also another beautiful image. He tells them to go and do the gift that Moses commanded. What's the gift Moses commanded? You can see this in Leviticus 14, 4 through 7. And it involved a sacrifice of two birds. The leper, if he, was, if he was pronounced clean, that leper would go and get two birds and the priest would sacrifice one and he'd take the blood of that one and he'd sprinkle it on that second bird. And guess what he'd do with that second bird? He'd let it go free. What a beautiful image of what Jesus has done for us. We're all lepers. We're all sin sick. We're all separated from God due to our sin. We're all in treason, betrayal against God. None of us know him. No, not one. We don't seek him. We're all liars. We're adulterers, murderers. We may never do it physically, but it's inside us spiritually. We've been cut off from God. And here's what's amazing. Jesus bled and died for our sins, and his blood's been applied to you and I. And guess what happened? We were set free. Free to have a relationship with God. Free to know what it's like for the Holy Spirit to come in and to change our lives. This act was not only a public proof to those priests that the Messiah had come, but it also demonstrated to the leper, it's been paid and you are free. Who could cleanse a leper? Well, the leper believed that Jesus cleansed him. And Jesus touched and cleansed them. So the big answer is just simply this, and write this down. Jesus can cleanse. Jesus can cleanse and is willing. Did you catch it? And is willing. It was just a matter of, does Jesus want to? Does he want to make us whole again? Does he want to remove us from a state of uncleanliness to a state of holiness where we can enjoy a relationship with God? And what I want to tell every single one of you, don't walk away today. I want you to know that Jesus wants to save you. He wants to touch you. He wants to apply his blood to you so that you can be forgiven and free and be made whole again and you can enjoy a relationship with God that begin, begins now and lasts throughout eternity. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any of you to perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
He doesn't want you to stay in a state of uncleanliness away from God. He wants you to turn your life around and know what it's like to enjoy fellowship with God. So what does that mean for you? What must you do today? What's incumbent upon you? So what? Write this in. Believe Jesus can cleanse you and is willing. Believe Jesus can cleanse you and is willing. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Stop waiting and out going, my time's right when I'm better. You're never going to get any better. That's the point. Think about it. If the leper waited till he looked a little bit better, he'd still have his leprosy. Right? He believed and his faith moved him to Jesus. And that's what I'm asking every single one of you today. Believe he can do it. Believe he can change you. Believe he can make things right. And what you'll find is when you believe he can do it, you'll see he is willing to do it and he will make a change and he will make a difference. What is faith? Some of you are asking, do I have to muster it up? Jesus later tells us, like, I need a mustard seed, man. I need a little bit of faith. Faith is your expression that you are powerless to do anything about your situation, but you believe that Jesus has all the power. I can't do anything about this, Jesus. I can't heal this. I can't cleanse this. I can't fix this. But I come to you, and I believe you can do something about it. And I think you can go one step further. He wants to do something about it. But he will not work unless you come to him in faith. Can Jesus cleanse the leper? leper? Absolutely, he can cleanse him. He has all authority and all power. So what must you do? Believe it. Believe it, ladies and gentlemen. The incurable gets cured. The untouchable, they get touched in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.